Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, January 5th. We're into the new year, so it's time to get some updated priorities for the City of Calgary in 2024. We invited Mayor Jyoti Gondek for her weekly chat and asked what items are atop the agenda for City Council this year. How big an issue is human trafficking here in Canada? We had a fascinating conversation with Julia Dridick, Executive Director of the Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking, about what exactly human trafficking looks like and what must be done to address the growing problem. There's a casting call underway for Season 2 of the Alberta TV series, The Sugar Mama. If you're creative enough, it could earn you $100,000. We break down the premise of the show with director Nazanin Knight. And there's a new yet very familiar voice keeping you company on your drive home these days. I invited Sarah Crosby into the studio to tell us about herself now that she has taken over hosting The Drive every weekday afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. right here on QR Calgary. 8.05 now and what is atop the agenda for City Council this year as we move into 2024? What does it look like for Calgarians and those in charge? Joining us to talk about it, getting all the latest news from City Hall is as we speak every Friday with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Did you have a good holiday? I did. It was a nice little break. Some time to regroup and breathe and get back at it now uh, all fresh? Absolutely. Okay, so what's uh, on the agenda for Council and for yourself this year? What's important? What are some of the hot topics that you really want to dig into? Well, some of the important work that we need to get done uh, this year includes delivering on the housing strategy, ensuring that the public safety actions that we've laid out are delivered upon, and really focusing on transit. So those are the top three priorities. We've spent the last couple of years coming up with some good plans and implementing a budget that supports these things. And this year and next year, we'll be heavily focused on delivering results for Calgarians. And do you get, I mean, I'm sure you get lots of feedback at all times from from people, but when, when it's on, you know, when it concerns the, those topics specifically, uh, have people really been pushing for that, especially through the new year and saying, hey, this is, we need to focus on this stuff in 2024? Absolutely. We've had um, a lot of different ways that Calgarians have interacted with us as a council. People have uh, sent us messages. They have come to public hearings. Uh, we talk to people when we're at events. And, you know, there's a lot of people that um, post the things that they are interested in seeing change in the city. And I can tell you that housing remains a priority, public safety as well. And yeah. people really want a good way to get around the city that doesn't always involve having to own a personal vehicle. So we are working on those three things. Maybe these are one and the same. But if you can separate them, you know, what does Jody Gondek want to see in 2024 and what does the mayor want to focus on? You know, again, I'm committed with council to really delivering on the things that we have laid out over the last two years. And I really hope that um, not just in Calgary, but globally, we can get back to civil discourse and we can start having some good conversations with each other where nuance is appreciated and understood instead of a lot of the polarization that we've seen, frankly, since about 2020. So I'm hoping that we get back to a place where we can converse with each other in a way that is polite and really meaningful. I hope we can all uh, get on board with that. I would agree with you for sure. Uh, Property assessments are out now. What do Calgarians need to know? So if you check your mail, you will see that your property tax assessments are in, um, your property assessments, sorry, and you will see that um, on average, the home value for residential properties has gone up roughly about 10%. So we used to say that the assessed value of the average home was about $555,000. That's gone up to about 610. 
Um, on the condominium side, the average condo was assessed at about two fifty-five thousand, and it's gone up to about two hundred and ninety-five thousand. On the non-residential side, we're seeing assessed values having gone up by about three percent. So the good news is, for people who purchase their home as an investment, your investment is gaining value. It does, however, mean that your property tax will be increased this year because of the assessed value. And that's tough for a lot of folks who are really struggling. And that is something that I know council took into account when you made the decision. But how do you decide, you know, when's a good time to add more, you know, taxes to to, to the citizens? Well, the thing is, you have to look at the services that people are expecting. And when we have been cutting maintenance programs for roadways, for parks, for pathways, for recreation facilities, and people are saying to us, why do I not have these amenities or these services in my community? And we look back to the years of cuts. We have to get to a place where we're able to restore some of that service. And uh, this year, we have seen... Um, a lot of investment that we had to uh, implement. We used as much out of our reserves and savings as we could. And then we did have to do a bump in the budget that impacted people's property taxes. On that note, just got a text in and this texter wants to know why at a time when property taxes are going up and everything is costing us more, that city council takes a 2.41% salary increase for 2024. What do you say to that? So City Council does not set its own salary. We have a Council Compensation Committee that meets um, every few years. They go through the criteria that are uh, necessary to ensure that we are being paid in a way that is equitable to other jurisdictions, and that's the recommendation that they've come forward with. And so it's not a matter of Council taking an increase. It's a matter of the committee making a decision on how Council's salary should be set. It's tough because, you know, it, it doesn't look good, right? So is there any way that... And has it ever happened that council would say, you know what, we're not going to take that this year? You know what, we're always open to a conversation and that's definitely something that we're able to do. Uh, it could happen as early as the next council meeting on January the 16th. And I think it would be really important for Calgarians to understand how council's salary is actually set so that we can dispel this myth that, um, you know, we're setting it ourselves. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about the dry conditions out there. I think it's, you know, something that's going to affect us moving well into 2024, perhaps beyond that. But do Calgarians need to get used to perhaps and potentially living with water restrictions? I think Calgarians are going to need to get used to that, and I don't think it's a difficult thing for Calgarians to do. We uh, had restrictions last summer where we managed to save 1.5 billion litres um, of water, and uh, Calgarians have always been interested in conservation practices. They understand how important the water supply is. Um, one of the biggest ways that we can do this is through outdoor water usage because that has the greatest downstream impact uh, for water that we're using within buildings. It goes back into the treatment facility and is discharge back into our water supply. And, you know, the other thing we need to do is work with non-residential properties to see how their water consumption can be different. But indeed, we will need to be looking at more conservation methods. Uh, this is just on a bit of a lighter note, but I know the uh, the Sirens for Life effort is underway with uh, Calgary versus Edmonton in terms of blood donations. Does council, do you and council kind of get on board with stuff like that? We do. This Wednesday, just a couple of days ago, uh, myself and councillors Walcott, Penner, and uh, who else? Councillor Sharp. We were all there supporting the paramedics, um, the police service, the firefighters. Stars were there, and we all gave blood. 
uh, because it's in us to give, as they say, and we felt it was a very important way for us to give back to the community. We should all be doing that for sure. Thank you. And uh, also one final question. We started this early this morning. It's a bit of a weird convo, but I'm curious your take on it. There's a, a Vancouver woman who passed. She was a huge Star Trek fan. Her family is has gotten her ashes on board and will be beamed to outer space. So we've been talking about what do you do with ashes of your loved ones or for yourself when you pass? What do you want done with your ashes? Is there any place that you would like them spread in a beautiful way that would be something, you know, powerful and meaningful for you and your family? Oh, my goodness. You know what? <laughs> this is something that uh, I think more people need to talk about, frankly. Mm-hmm. We don't have conversations about what are your wishes when you pass. And so a lot of times family members are left making decisions completely blind to what it is that you wanted. And so I'm glad you're raising it. And I know it's kind of a weird topic, but, you know, I would hope that, um, you know, mine could be sprinkled at sea somewhere. I like that thought. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking maybe the top of uh, a ski hill or, you know, in the mountains, which is we're so lucky that we have what we have in our backyard, right? Absolutely. I like it. Okay. Well, uh, talk to your family. Let them know your wishes. We should all do the same. Thank you, Mayor, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Sue. Have a great weekend. You too. Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. 716 now and just how big an issue is human trafficking globally and more importantly within our own country joining us to talk about the work that needs to be done to address this issue is julia drydeck executive director of the canadian center to end human trafficking good morning julia thanks so much for joining us Good morning and thank you for having me. Can you just begin by sort of defining human trafficking? Because I, whenever I hear it, and I, I know this is not correct, but, you know, I go to, you know, a, a truck where you were just loading people in and they're being taken across the border. And I know it can be that, but it can be so much more, correct? Exactly. Put very simply, human trafficking is when someone is exploiting someone else for their own profit and gain. So unlike what you see in the movies, this rarely involves kidnapping or smuggling people across borders. It often looks like intimate partner violence. Um, Someone who has embedded themselves in a victim's life, has love-bombed them, and is coercing them into the commercial sex industry for their own profit. How widespread is this human trafficking in Canada? So unfortunately, human trafficking is happening in every community across Canada. Um, Between 2019 and 2023, the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline identified 1,500 cases involving almost 2,200 individual victims and survivors. Um, And we're receiving calls in every community, big and small, across the country. That's the the, the key, right, is I think people believe, oh, it doesn't happen in my community. That's, That's crazy. That happens in other places. You know, the United States, well, it does, but it happens here and it happens at home. Are there certain populations, Julia, you would say that are particularly vulnerable here? So traffickers look for people with general vulnerabilities in their lives. They might be having low self-esteem, problems at school, problems at home, maybe homelessness or substance use. And they prey on those vulnerabilities, showering them with the world at the beginning, and then holding that back and using it as collateral to force them into the commercial sex industry. So while anyone could um, be preyed upon by traffickers, we do see certain groups um, that experience those systemic systems of discrimination more at risk. You're the executive director of the Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization and, and uh, you know, how you kind of get the word out and spread this education into the communities? 
So we're a national organization with a mandate to end all forms of human trafficking in Canada, that's sex and labor trafficking. And education is our biggest tool to equip communities to prevent it in the first place. We also operate the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline, a 24-7 confidential multilingual service um, where we can connect individuals with services and supports in their community, equip them with information and tools to respond to potential human trafficking in their lives, um, and connect them to the police um, where they ask for it and where it's appropriate. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges of survivors. So if you do find someone, you're able to remove them from a situation of human trafficking. What kind of services are available for those folks then? So through the hotline, the biggest requests for services are for shelter and housing, followed by case management and supportive counselling. So often individuals need to stabilise. Exiting is one of the most dangerous times for a survivor in their human trafficking experience. So we connect them with those localized supports so that they can access those basic needs like shelter and food, clothing. Um, and then from there, if, it's, um, if it makes sense, then often uh, they do connect with law enforcement. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the current laws. So do we need to do more? You know, obviously outside of Canada, I'm sure more could be done. But let's talk specifically here in our own country. What are the laws and what needs to be done to address human trafficking here? So there are huge barriers for individuals in connecting with law enforcement. Um, often individuals who are, are being exploited are also coerced into committing other crimes, um, and that is used um, as a tool to prevent them from engaging with law enforcement. Um, we also know that the prosecution rates are abysmally low in Canada. The average human trafficking trial takes twice as any other crime, um, and so there are real issues when it comes to accessing justice in Canada. There's a hand gesture that has made it into social media. My kids know it. They talk about it all the time. Is that something that actually gets used when people, so the hand gesture for those who don't know that, you know, there's, there's an issue. I'm, I'm being trafficked. I'm in danger. I need help. Is that something that your organization came up with and, and how does that work? Um, it wasn't something our organization came up with. I believe it was actually the Canadian Women's Foundation, okay. and it's an important tool. But unfortunately, we don't we don't actually see it being used very often because more often than not, victims don't identify as being victims of human mm. trafficking. They don't really understand what they're going through is human trafficking. And more often than not, the person exploiting them is their boyfriend. It's their best friend. Um, it might even be a family member. And so it's not necessarily a situation of rescue. Um, it's more like intimate partner violence where they're realizing that what's happening to them is abuse and then they are the ones that reach out to support to save themselves. What role does technology play in human trafficking? Are we seeing a rise with you know AI and, and more online action? Does that play a role in, in making human trafficking an even bigger problem? Well, especially during the COVID period, we saw a rise of online luring and grooming and different uses of social media um, in in luring individuals um, into human trafficking. Um, there are lots of folks out there that are trying to find AI solutions to try and detect human trafficking. But again, because it's so interpersonal, it's really hard to rely only on tech. Where we do see real promise are, is through things like the public-private partnership between Fintrack um, and the major banks, um, where they're able to get um, banking details to show evidence of human trafficking to support trials. Um, but it is very hard to detect online, as often they're presenting as um, consenting sex workers or people consenting 
uh, to be in the relationship. Julia, if the folks who are being trafficked sometimes don't really understand that that's even the situation they're in, and, and we see it, is this what the human trafficking hotline is for, to, to bring attention to a situation like that? Absolutely, and to provide people with options. So often, you know, if you're something in your gut feels off, it probably is. So follow your gut and call the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-833-900-1010. Whether you're experiencing exploitation or you think someone you know is, we can provide you with options um, as well as safety planning to figure out what the best course of action is for you in your specific circumstance. It happens in our communities. We need to watch for it. We need to know that human trafficking hotline again, 1-833-900-1010. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Julia Drydeck is Executive Director of the Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking. That's the website, canadiancentertoendhumantrafficking.ca. 8.17 now and season two of The Sugar Mama is filming soon and there's a huge opportunity for some lucky Alberta creatives to have a chance at winning some big bucks. Joining us with details is the show director, Nazanin Knight. Good morning, Nazanin. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. I, I think people, uh, you know, have a definite image in their mind when they hear Sugar Mama. This is a little bit different. Tell us about the great premise of this show. This is a really exciting show. Um, we invite a group of 12 creatives from a variety of artistic fields to participate for a chance to win $100,000 from the Sugar Mama. And in this case, the Sugar Mama is a longtime philanthropist and matron of the arts. She's been supporting artists for years. And uh, this is an exciting opportunity for creatives who want to get to know her. Now, do we know who the Sugar Mama is within the show or is that is that kept anonymous? You will see who the Sugar Mama is uh, in season one of the show. Okay. And and this and we see that that sugar mama throughout each season then and we'll see her again in season two. That's right. I love it. Okay, that's fun. I love to keep that little bit of a secret going. Uh, let's talk about the creatives. You refer to the creatives. Uh, who are these people? Are they just our everyday Calgarian Albertans? They're all from across Alberta, um, and we we invite uh, creatives from different artistic fields. You know, whether that be if you're a dancer, if you're a singer, if you're a tattoo artist, uh, if you're a drag performer, any of these fields. Uh, and and what we're looking for is folks with talent, um, with character and with a really interesting story. Now, the Sugar Mama is put together by Indigikin Productions, which is a 100% Indigenous-owned media arts production company. Do the creatives need to be Indigenous? They don't need to be uh, Indigenous. Um, we invite uh, all participants from Alberta to apply, um, and especially folks from equity-deserving groups. And we know that the Sugar Mama is uh, a successful Métis business owner, correct? So, I mean, the Indigenous component to this, I think, is is really important. It is, and it's something that, uh, you know, makes this show really revolutionize unscripted television because it's not about just competing for money. It's about it's about unique standards. It's about Indigenous principles of generosity, authenticity, inclusivity, integrity, and it prioritizes well-being and human development as well. So when creatives come and join the show, they're not just going to grow as artists, but as human beings. Where do we find the show? Where, where can we watch it? 
The producers are not ready to make an announcement about that yet, okay. but it will be coming up really soon. Now that's for season two, correct? But what about season one? For season one as well. Okay, excellent. So you're putting it all together and we'll be able to access it. We'll, we'll let people know when you tell us, but I think it's a really, um, just, it's a really neat concept to have somebody who really had a hard time in their life. As we know, you know, I just, I'm reading a little bit about the sugar mama and her background. And she, after a divorce needed to use the food bank, she was in debt and she has, you know, become very successful now and is, is wanting to and willing to, and, and, and really hoping to give back to people who maybe have have had some suffering in their life as well that's a really big part of the show too isn't it it is it's a big part of the show and it actually drives the spirit of this show um i think you know what one of the unique things uh, i've directed lots of shows in my life but this one is really focused on um you know, helping creatives take their goals and dreams to the next level. And I'm so inspired by the real Sugar Mama in the way that she overcame really deep adversities. And now she's giving back to other folks and and she's guiding them along the journey, you know, that she experienced in her life and helping them get to the next level of their careers. Nazneen, you mentioned it sort of off the hop that this is a, you know, an unscripted series. So w- w- is this, would we call it reality television then? Is that sort of the sense? It is reality television, um, but done in a completely different way. And, uh, and I think um, when viewers tune in to see the show, they'll see um, that it's something that's inspired by a deeper connection uh, to human well-being and development. And um, artists, you know, who came onto the show to win that money, to win that $100,000, really found that the biggest reward was that they grew as human beings uh, and that they established relationships with other creatives that were deep and meaningful and they left there with, you know, 11 uh, longtime best friends uh, for life. So, I mean, even if you're not, you know, creative or artistic yourself, there's there's a lot of, you know, the human component to this TV show then, right? That will be a draw for all of us. There will be. Um, I would say this show is sort of for everybody. Uh, it's a way to, to learn about, um, you know, your connections with nature, your connections with people. Because, you know, this is this uh, all part, uh, all the participants were invited to a secluded retreat with no phones, no computers, and they were just surrounded by nature, arts, and fellow creatives. And sort of in that environment, uh, detached from everything else, they were really able to grow and challenge themselves emotionally. And I think there's something to be taken away by everyone who watches. I love the concept. And one of these lucky creatives will win $100,000 from the Sugar Mama. So how do we find out more? How do we you know, stay engaged and find out where and when we can watch the show? Definitely, you can check out our website, www.sugarmama.tv, or follow us on social media, and there'll be some really exciting announcements about the show coming up. Okay, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. If somebody wants to apply, are they still able to apply to be one of the creatives that could potentially win a hundred grand? They are. Just check out uh, the casting page of the SugarMama.tv. Okay, SugarMama, it's M-A-M-A, SugarMama.tv slash casting if you want to apply to be on it. Thank you so much for joining us, Nazanin. You've got my curiosity peaked. I can't wait to watch the show. 
Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Nazanine Knight is the show director. Again, it's called The Sugar Mama. 748. There's a new yet quite familiar voice that you might have heard keeping you company on the drive home these days. Sarah Crosby taking over as host 3 till 6 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on QR Calgary. And Sarah is actually in, she's a really early riser. She's in studio with me now to talk about The Drive. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Congratulations, first of all. New host of The Drive. You're not new to radio or to this city or to this radio station and this group by any means. Tell us a little bit about Sarah Crosby. (laughs) So for seven years, because people keep saying, you sound familiar. Why? Mm -hmm. For seven years, 2012 to 2019, I was on 107.3 FM as a morning host on Q107 when Q was classic rock and then some more modern rock. But seven years I was here, went and did some other radio for four years. Now I'm back. So I'm new, but I'm old, Sue. (laughs) I understand that. I'm like lasagna leftovers. (laughs) I understand that because I too spent some time doing mornings on Q107 back in the day. And isn't it weird to kind of come full circle where now QR Calgary is is talk radio and we're back on the same frequency. Mm -hmm. But I love it because what people don't know, and it's kind of my hidden background, is before I did morning radio, I was an investigative newspaper reporter and a columnist and an editor in magazines and newspapers. So I used to tell stories. I have crawled through hedges and bushes (laughs) to find motorcycle gangs. So I have two sides to me, and the drive perfectly blends them both. I love it, and uh, I think that's the thing, right? You need to have that. You, you need to be curious. Like, for me, I, I, was, I had done, like you, music radio for a long, long time. So when I came to talk radio, it was, it was a big learning curve. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, as long as you have that curiosity and as long as you're excited to talk to new people and find out new things... You can't go wrong. Well, I also love in the past two weeks, I've asked people questions and there's a pause and they say, well, that's interesting. So I've gone off script or I've gone (laughs) off the plan a couple times. Mm -hmm. But when people say something and you think, now, wait a minute, that's the most interesting thing you've said. It gives you the chance to say, just a little bit more on that. Yeah. Because that's so interesting. What you're telling me is way more interesting than my own life. So I want to hear more, 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 more. So what's your plan with the drive? How do you see the the afternoon? Because, you know, people, have they're done. They have put in a day at work. They are getting in their cars. They want to go home. Whatever that looks like for people in their situation. What are you going to do on the drive that sort of makes it different? I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit screechy. Uh, (laughs) I'm a little bit loud, maybe sometimes a little too much, but I think the drive is going to be just a a vehicle, if you will, uh, that's going to be fun. And so we're going to get you home, get you to your kids, get you back to whatever you're doing with a lot of life, but we're also going to keep you entertained and informed. It's a blend of fun plus fact all rolled into the same show. I love it. What do you, what is, what is Sarah passionate about? When I'm not working, my passion is managing my son's sports teams. Mm-hmm. He plays. A t- I know he's a hockey player. He plays hockey, and this year he's focusing he on baseball, okay. trying to play baseball uh, at college or university next year. So I am a bit of an obsessive mother. Mm-hmm. I admit it. Are you a helicopter parent? Oh, I'm. I'm like I own the helicopter company. <laughs> I run the helicopter company. I clean the helicopters <laughs> because I only have one child. So when you only have one, you that's a lot, lot of, of time to focus yeah. on him. <laughs> He's really looking forward to getting away from me, but he's I, going. Is he going to Switzerland for university? That, 
not he would like to. Yeah. He would like to. But I just love being involved in youth sports and helping because they run on volunteer hours. Yeah. So when I'm not here, I'm on a diamond. I'm in a hockey rink. I'm I'm doing something to help. Help in air quotes. Right. I understand that. Does he like it? Does he like that you're part of that? Do you guys have that conversation at all? He likes or that I Or do you just I, make sure um, that you're part of it? He likes that I'm organized. So if I'm organized, he's organized. Right. He also loves having a driver's license so that he can get away from my organization. <laughs> That's he can awesome. get away from me. I love it. I, I can, can relate to you on this one too because my daughter plays ball and that's our time I because like, I'm an assistant coach, which really... I'm just there to hang out with the kids because I love it. But, yeah. you know, we drive to the game together. We spend time at the game and then we drive home and we kind of break it down and talk about it. And that's my time with her, my special time with mm-hmm. her. And I, every year I say, if you don't want me to be here, I will not do it. She's like, nope, I want you here. So I, I even though he maybe pretends that he doesn't, you're part of that world for him, right? Yeah, and those worlds, no matter what sport it is or what club it is, exists on moms and dads helping. 100%. So if I don't help, he doesn't get to play. Yeah. <laughs> so and then I still get to manage the helicopter yeah. that circles him, and I can look at him all the time. And say, don't forget, <laughs> I, I paid for you to be playing this sport, kid, yeah. right? Yeah, I filled the water bottle. I did the clothes. Hey, all of that. I love it. Uh, what do you have coming up on the show today, just to give folks an example? Well, we're going to we're gonna go a little bit in, into the more serious side because we talked to Alberta Wild. Wildfire, uh, and they're going to tell us an update today. We started out the year with 64 wildfires still burning. That's crazy. Some under the snow, which is bananas. And they're also going to have some information actually on how you can get a job working in the wildfire industry. So if you're looking for employment, it's a way to make some very good coin and help the province. And with the dry conditions we're having, I can only imagine what next summer is going to potentially be like. Well, I looked at the numbers. There should be about six wildfires burning right now. 64 is what we started 2024 with. You're going to fill us with facts, but you're going to fill us with fun as well. So much fun. Every weekday on the drive. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. um, Welcome back, really, more than anything. And uh, anytime you want to pop by and hang out, like Andy takes a lot of time off. So if you ever just (laughs) want to come hang out with me, you're welcome to. Well, and here's the thing, too. I've done morning shows for so long. I keep saying good morning at three o'clock in the (laughs) afternoon. I'll get it out of my system. It's morning for somebody. It is. Right? There you go. Sarah Crosby, new host of The Drive on QR Calgary, 3 till 6 p.m. every Monday through Friday. Uh, Glad you're back. Thanks, Sue.